0: The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are back. We're going to talk about the five questions I have heading into the Brewers' regular season. We're also going to talk about why I would endorse Cam Newton as the backup quarterback to Jordan Love. We'll talk about the Big East coaching news. We're a little behind on that one, but I wanted to give some thoughts on Patino going to St. John's uh, and Cooley going to Georgetown. Uh, where Providence might go, just how the Big East has gotten tougher overnight, um, and sort of what does that mean for Marquette. So we'll dive into all of that before we get going. Just a reminder, follow us along on social media. Timothy Keg out on Twitter, Timothy Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We're hoping to make the change to Teppity Keg Wisconsin sometime soon. I have to work on that. It's kind of a project for me. I have some time here this weekend, so I'm gonna get pen to paper here and figure out what makes the most sense for a launch date. When that is, you will know. Uh, If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, We are on Apple. We're on Spotify. Wherever else you do podcasts, actually, I think Amazon reached out to get our podcast on there. Uh, So we will get that on Amazon. If you listen, listen on that channel. Uh, and if we're somewhere that we're not, just let me know. I'm happy to put put our podcast anywhere. I know people, a lot of people listen on Overcast. Uh, if you already subscribed, you know what to do. Leave that review, uh, share it with your friends. Drop this in the group chat, especially for the Brewer fans in your life. We haven't talked a lot about Brewers, but we're getting into it. We'll talk a lot about them now in the next six months. This is how it goes with us um, and the show. Is we don't do a ton on the off season. Packers are probably excluded from that. Packers and Bucks. Talk more Packers and Bucks, kind of year to year, uh, year well throughout the year. I think the Brewers we have kind of ebbs and flows in the in the off season, but it's uh, it's high time right now for the Brewers as we are almost a week away from Opening Day. Uh, Brewers Cubs also that night it's going to be Buck Celtics. So that should be an awesome awesome sports day, uh, and we slowly await the second round the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Sad Marquette's not there. What can you do? Uh, we might have a podcast tomorrow with Mitch and I. I haven't confirmed. Uh, we are taping 500 with Murph on Saturday. So, you're like, Charlie, isn't this about the 500th episode of you and Mitch tape early? It'll be 499.5. Uh, so, yes, that's how we're going to get around it. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if Mitch is coming on to do the pod tomorrow. If not, uh, you'll just have me. And then you'll also have a Friday pod for the people. Um, I was tempted almost not to do a Friday pod uh, just because I know Slack going on and not, well, not a ton going on right now. Uh, so maybe just doing three days this week. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I missed you guys. And I always like doing the pod. So maybe we'll do something fun Friday. It's a little bit different, a little bit quirky uh, and just kind of go forward there. All right. Let's get done talking about the logistics and let's get down to business. Uh, who I forget who sings that song. Let's get down. Let's get is that the TS though? Shedgun's gonna have to help me out with that. Probably text me, and be like, Yeah, that's so and so dumbass. All right, anyways, let's talk about the Brewers. All right, so spring trading is wrapping up. I think the Brewers have like four or five games left. Uh, they get done next Tuesday against the Rockies and they head straight to. Chicago, no rest for the Wicked. I think that's kind of crazy, in my opinion. I didn't know that baseball did that. I kind of thought they get, like, a couple days just to R&R, like, be home, see everybody. Uh, I, that kind of is an interesting nugget to me because I'm like, if that's the case for most of the teams in the MLB, I feel like the teams on the road are going to struggle. Maybe the teams on the on the road are just going to be like, oh, it's, just like spring training, ain't no thing, and those at home are gonna be inundated with like everything and like oh my god, like my house is this, my house is that, and I gotta worry about that. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's an angle like that helps the Brewers or if that hurt or hurts the Brewers to start the season. But the season will begin next Thursday. There are a lot of questions around the Brewers, so I hope that I can answer some that are more long term some that are more short-term uh in this pod and see where see where it goes and kind of see if my predictions that out to be true uh and just sort of get ready for the season i know Mitch and i will probably do a comprehensive preview uh sometime next week uh on the pod and and discuss that as well so we'll we'll just have to all wait and see but let's dive in uh number one what should our what should my expectation my expectations be with this team so when i'm saying my i mean you like, what should your expectations be for this team? And my answer to that is I'm not really sure. I hate to give that answer. Like, that's a it's a terrible answer. It's a terrible way to start a podcast segment, right? But I'm serious. Like, I don't know. I really have no idea what this team will look like. Barrel MKE, who does a great job with Brewer Podcast stuff. I'm sure you're following them on Twitter. Uh, they said that, like, the Brewers don't have an identity. And I kind of agree with that. I'm, I was mad that they had that topic because it was like – I don't listen to a lot of podcasts that are Wisconsin-based. Truth be told, it's no disrespect to anybody. It's just I don't want to steal ideas. Like I don't want to Carlos Mencia anybody. So the, that comment right there, I was like, fuck, man, that's so good. Like that's so true because I'm not sure. Like I have no idea what to expect with this. The projections are right around 85 wins, uh, wherever you read, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Dakota. Uh, that's right around where they have the Milwaukee Brewers. And they have the St. Louis Cardinals somewhere close. I think everybody's under the assumption that the Cardinals are going to win the division. Um, I haven't looked at the divisional odds to see if they've changed. The Brewers, I think, were plus 150 the last time I checked about a month ago. Probably should look before the season begins. But I, I really do believe that this team can be either be awesome or they can take a step back. Like I actually think 85 won't happen. Like I I think either the Brewers are going to win like 93 games and be pretty solid or they're going to win like 79, 78, and we're going to be disappointed. We're going to kind of hit a small rebuild and kind of retool with the young guys on this roster. Like that's kind of where I see this going. I I think there's a lot of things to consider, right? I think it's all going to be dependent on the development of the young guys. If those young guys start really playing baseball and the brewers are very confident in their talent. Now, the scouts, the analysts are not as confident as I think the brewers are internally. So the question comes down: to, do the brewers know more than what the scouts do? Or are the scouts actually right and the brewers are overselling these guys? That's always a hard, hard thing to balance, right? The Red Sox were famous for this in the Theo Epstein days, where Theo would sell the idea of some of these guys to other teams and be like, well, oh, this guy's great. This guy's a, you know, high, toolsy player. You know, he's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a Cy Young, and then he never amounts to shit, right? Uh, So even though internally the Brewers can talk about how they love Garrett Mitchell, they love Joey Weimer, and they love Sal Freelich, like, there's a potential that these guys aren't going to be at the level that maybe fans expect them to be. So that's, I think, really important. The Young Guns development. I would also throw guys who've been playing, like Luis Urias. Like, Luis Urias... Takes a step forward, that's going the Brewers are gonna be instantly better. If Willie Adamas you know, kind of gets back to 2021 form, he was good in 2022, but like 2021, like Willie Adams was one of the best players in baseball, in my opinion. So if Willie Adamas can get to form, that's gonna make the Brewers a better team. If Wilson Contreras or William, I'm gonna do that so much. I'm gonna have to like have a jar and then I'll donate. So maybe we'll start that at the beginning of the year. But I'm gonna have to need like a donation jar for William, not Wilson. Maybe just call him Bill. Bill Contreras. and Bill Contreras comes through and has a big year, again, that's the development of the young guns. That's kind of what we mean. I'll talk about some other guys who could have bounced back years and that would help. You're going to expect someone's going to take a step back, right? That's, it's how it goes. It's baseball and really sports in general. It's, it's rare that everybody takes a step forward. Someone's going to take a step back. And what are, what happens? Are, are you able to respond to that, that step back? And then the pitching staff. They have to stay healthy. And that was the real, the root of why the Brewers weren't good last year. If the Brewers pitching staff stays healthy, Josh Hader's probably not traded until this offseason. And then we have a long discussion about that. And that's sort of holding, kind of hanging over this season. I don't think the Hader trade should hang over this season. I know some people are going to use it as ammo. I think that's fucking ridiculous. I think get over it. it. It was fucking August. Like at this point, like just move on. Like you have to move on. Like they're, they're he's not coming back. He's not re-signing with this team when he's a free agent next year. I like think the Padres are working on an extension as is. Like he's not coming back. So get the fuck over it and move on because it's not it, nothing's changing. And like you just saying that is just flapping your gums in my opinion. And so w- in regards to that, like yeah, I, I think if the pitching staff stayed healthy last year, I think the Brewers probably win somewhere in the ninety to ninety-five range and in the playoffs. And who knows? Maybe the Phillies aren't there, and Phillies don't even get to World Series, and the and the NL has a entirely different World Series representative. It's very, very possible. But yeah, I I just look at that, and I I I just think that they're they need to stay healthy, and that goes for Kurt Burns, that goes for Brandon Woodruff, that goes for Freddie Peralta. Now Aaron Ashby's already hurt. I'm not exactly that concerned. I think with Aaron Ashby, I was penciling him as sort of a late stage starting pitcher but the brewers brewers have a lot of them. the brewers have a lot available in terms of their starting rotation It uh, has not been announced you know who is going to get the ball day one I think it'll be Corbin Burns. I think you're you know it'd be Burns, Woodruff Peralta. A uh, roster resource was great. Um they're now on five fangrass. Fangrass bought them out. Uh they have the line, the starting rotation as Burns, Woodruff, Lauer, Peralta, and Wade Miley. I would turn Lauer and Peralta around uh, but I think maybe that's because of the lefty lefty, so you're not having back to back lefties. That makes sense then. I could get down with that. Freddie would then get the ball uh, for opening day at Miller Park against the New York Mets. Um, that's not good. I still say Miller Park. <laughs> Again, I'm not trying to be be an asshole about that. It's like it's so ingrained in me. But yeah, Mer- American Family Field. That's another one that I probably should have a donation jar for. But yeah, I I think it's really hard to know expectations of this baseball team. Uh the bullpen, which I think we're gonna talk about here in a second with our questions. That's another thing I have a lot of questions about. And so I think you just have a ton of questions. And that's where that's where you get into like what where does this go? And will all our questions be answered at the end of April? Probably not. Will our questions get answered by the end of May? Probably. We'll probably know what this team is. But, I mean, we thought this team was going to be a division winner last year, and then they fell apart. So, you know, who knows? Baseball, baseball is a really weird and tetra sport in the sense that you can get a lot of false hope and you can build up a lot of, like, okay, this team can, this team can go far. You also build up a lot of negative energy and the team can turn it around. We've seen this now. You know, I I, forget, I don't think the Phillies were at this point. I think the Phillies were kind of like 500. But like the Phillies obviously turned around and made the World Series. The Atlanta Braves were bad for a little while, turned it around, got red hot, made made additions. They win the World Series. You had the Washington Nationals pre-COVID, who were awful. Uh, you know, middle of May, they turn it around to win the World Series. It's almost it almost benefits you not to start out hot. Like it almost is a better thing to kind of lie in the weeds. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the first couple months of the season. Also with the balanced schedule, I think that's going to change how you feel about this team because you are not seeing the same teams over and over again, which is welcomed and I'm excited for. Them. All right. Question number two, will the freshmen make the roster? So the, the Brewers have done a great job of marketing their young guys. It's something that I was really hard on them. Uh, back in, I think, December, November, where there was a lot of strife, a lot of consternation with the Brewer fan base. And I I implored them to start really promoting their young guys to really sort of build that brand visibility and build sort of that awareness of who these guys are as the next generation of sort of Brewers baseball. And I think that was really important to, you know, kind of tell that story. And they, they've done that. And I, I'm, really, I'm really sort of happy that, that that's going on. Now, Conspiracy Chuck would tell you, are they doing this because a rebuild's coming and they need – they sort of need to have these guys ready ready and in place so everybody knows who they are when they trade away all the veterans? I don't know. That's the conspiracy chuck. Don't take that too seriously. A conspiracy chuck's a wild man. But anyways, will they make the roster? Garrett Mitchell, lock. Like Garrett Mitchell is going to make this team. He's had a good spring training. Tyrone Taylor's injury means that Garrett Mitchell is going to be starting out there in center field. Uh, I'm very excited for Garrett Mitchell. I think he could have a really solid year. I think he has a ton of energy. I think he's re- he's going to just eat in terms of the stolen base stuff. I think that's really going to help the Brewers on the base pads. It would not surprise me if Garrett Mitchell is hitting near the top of the order. Uh, I would personally love a lineup that has Garrett Mitchell leading off, and then it's Yelich, and then it's and then it's Willie Adonis. I understand that Craig Council hates going lefty-lefty, so maybe it's Mitchell, Adamas, then Yalich. Um, I'm preferring Yalich. Whatever. We don't need to get into semantics, but I just think Garrett Mitchell's ability to steal bases is a really beneficial thing for the Brewers, and they should take advantage of it, especially with these new rules early on. Uh, is Joey Weimer going to play right field? It sounds like he's going to make the team. I don't know if he's going to start. But it sounds like he's going to make the team. Craig Council has been really high on Joey Weimer. Uh, he's a little older, uh, so that you'd make the assumption that it's time to have Joey Weimer up. I don't think you have to worry too much about the service things. Uh, he can really hit the ball. He has a ton of power. He has a great arm. He kind of would save you in defensive situations with Brian. If Brian Anderson's out there, uh, roster resources has him as projected right fielder. Not sure how I feel about that. Uh, I feel like you lose a lot defensively there. And I understand that maybe you don't want to give it to the young kid right away, but it wouldn't surprise me if, and Anderson's had a decent for trading, so don't get me wrong here, but if Weimer ends up taking his job you know, before the end of the month is out. I just think he is more you know, toolsy and more of an all-around player than what you get with Brian Anderson out there. Uh, I do not expect Sal Freelich to be, to be up, uh, but I also don't expect any sort of funny business going on there. I know that a lot of fans might say that because Sal had a pretty good World Baseball Classic stint uh, and that he looked good for Team Italy. But I, I really think it comes down to he didn't get a ton of at-bats and that him going down to AAA is more about him getting, you know, the full amount of at-bats. I think they'll sell it that way. I know fans won't believe that, but I think that's what they'll do with Sal. I also think the play of Owen Miller in spring training has made it e- easy to do that, easy to sell that. Now, if Miller sucks, if he's a Brooks Conrad, for those who don't remember, Brooks Conrad had an awesome spring training, played for the Atlanta Braves. He he makes the Brewers, and then he goes 0 for 31. And the, in the start of the year, the Brewers caught Brooks. They, they DFA'd him, I think, at the start of May of that year. And he was just terrible. And so it's very possible Miller is the next Brooks Conrad. But and if he is, that's fine. And then you bring up Sal May. But I, I think right now Will Miller gets the roster spot, and I think Sal goes down. But I, And I know there'll be anger from the fans, but I really believe that's more about that he just didn't get enough at-bats, that he needs more at-bats, and needs to kind of make sure he's ready to go for the season. What does this bullpen look like without with after Devin Williams? It's a bit of an unknown, right? Uh, there's a lot of debate raging on whether Gus Farland is going to keep on the roster as a World Five guy or not. Uh, the Brewers basically have to decide if Gus is going to be on this team. And if he is, they, they have him. If not, he goes back to the Dodgers. Very interesting dynamic because it's the Dodgers. and I believe Gus will have to stay on the team uh, for them to keep it. I don't know all the rules. I apologize for not having that on me. But he really has some nice stuff. He just is a little bit wild and a little bit out of control and not exactly ready to be a big, big leaguer. So can you pull the way Chung Wong and have – have him in your bullpen all year and only put him in in situations where you're up eight to two or you're down eight to two. Now this year with the rule changes, you know, positional players can't pitch until I think the ninth inning it has, they have to be down a certain amount. Of, I think it's seven runs. i have to look, but yeah, there's so many rules this year. Gus Marlin, we'll see. Peter Shrezlaki, there's a ton of hype around Peter Shrezlaki. Uh I think there are some in, you know, maybe the Brewer circles. That thinks Trezlecki could be, you know, the eighth inning guy for Devin Williams. I think Matt Bush is on the immediate hot seat for me, personally. Uh, the Brewers traded, you know, decent value for Matt Bush. He was awful last year. Part of the reason why the Brewers fell apart down the stretch. Matt Bush has to be better, um, and we'll see if he is. Uh, Tyson Miller's had an awesome spring. I don't know if he's going to make the team, but I've really liked what I've seen from Tyson Miller. Uh that would be cool. A uh, guy kind of under the radar, home Gilner. You know, I had a really good season last year. I mean, that to me is a prime regression candidate, just because bullpen guys do this, where they have an awesome year one year, and the next year they they completely suck. So, that's that's what I worry about, uh, honestly, because I just I just think I can't expect it to be as good. Javier has some really talented stuff, but he's not exactly. He hasn't had exactly the greatest. You know career so far. uh, Adrian Hauser is another guy who uh, is Adrian Hauser going to channel it all together and be a bullpen guy? I, I have my concerns. I have my doubts um, if they convince Hauser to do that and Hauser ends up being a solid middle-inning guy and can eat a couple innings, that'd be great. But I just worry about his between-the-ears stuff. He always seems to nibble and struggle in first innings and I, I just don't think that is something you want from a bullpen guy. Number four question I have, will Kessahira make the roster? And, man, I do not think so. I love Kessahira. I have said before on different podcasts that Kessahira is probably going to be better as next stop. I think there's a lot of dialogue about the mismanagement of Kesahira, Uh, and, and that's another discussion for another time. But I think that's a larger discussion of how the Brewers handle Kessahira. I think – Craig has done an amazing job as Brewers manager, but I think that is the one stain on his resume is what he did with Castanera. Because I, I just think it was a complete mismanagement. I think the up and down stuff really fucked with him. I and I don't know maybe Castanera didn't say enough. Maybe we, you know, we don't know that full story. But I just feel very bad for Castanera because I, I don't know if, how much of it is his fault. But I will say like he had a high strikeout rate forever, and he's still striking out. Like he's not, it's not getting better. So that's the question of like, is he just refusing coaching? Is he not listening? And then maybe I feel less sympathetic for him. Or is it just he's so fucked in the head that he really just needs to get away? Whether that is playing overseas somewhere for a couple of years and coming back, where that's just going to Oakland, right? I'm just using a team as an example to like where there's no expectations. There's no, you can just play baseball. Like if your defense sucks, fine. But you can just play baseball. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, I do think they're trying to keep Luke, Luke Voigt. I think Luke Voigt had an awesome spring. I think Luke Voigt is an awesome power bat off the bench. One of my complaints with the Brewers the last few years is that they don't have power bat guys on their bench that can hit for power. I realize it's less as important now that there's a DH full-time, but I still think that would be great to have Luke Voigt there. He's had a great spring. He deserves it. Again, Can have a Brooks Conrad situation, not trying to take Sprint too seriously, but if you put Voigt's numbers, Miller, and Hero all together, is the odd man out. I think the reason why they push back the Voigt deadline, which is I think now Friday or Saturday, is because they're trying to trade Kastner Hero. And they're trying to look for a buyer on, on Hero, trying to see if someone will bite. And trying to move him versus outright release him. And that's it's kind of where I think they're going, but we'll we'll just sort of have to see. Last question I have is the annual question is Christian Ellis back. He's had a good spring, he looks bigger. Uh he seems, you know, dialed in. He talked to part of my tank a couple weeks ago about the healthiest he's been uh in a spring training in the last couple of years. It's it's very possible we could see a Christian yellow if you will, um of which is, but, you know, it's day by day with him. I I try really hard to rein myself in that Christian Yelich is back. I feel like we did this with Ryan Braun a lot throughout the years. After Braunie, you know, had his MVP year, and there were a year there were signs were oh my god maybe this is the year Then he get hurt. So I I just hope that this is this is the official Christian Yelich is back. And I don't think he needs to play at an MVP level. I think there are some fans who expect. MVP stuff out of Yelich every time out. I don't. I don't personally. I I mostly just want Christian Yelich to be a 25 home run, 25 to 30 home run guy, hitting 280, 290, and just being a run producer. Right. That's what I want Christian Yelich to be. I don't. I mean, 25 to 30 maybe is a little ambitious, but still, I I think that if that you get that year from Christian Yelich, he's an All Star. Let's just say call him an All Star. So I call him an MVP. Say as an All Star year, that's that's good enough for me. And who knows? We'll see. I, I'm excited. I, I'm trying to hold in. You know, when we talked about development with the first question, I didn't mention Yelich, and part of that was because I had this question. But if Yelich is great this year, the Brewers are going to soar. The Brewers are going to be really good. I don't think it's how Yelich goes, they go. But I think if Yelich is is on, it's harder for me to see the Brewers not succeed. Let's put it that way. That makes sense. I know that's a little convoluted, but I think it works. So yes, I, I'm excited for the yellow cheer. I'm excited for the season to start. Uh, opening day is always to be a special one. I think I'll have to probably purchase some hot dogs for, uh, for game one, uh, and, and get it going. So look forward to that. And look forward to being back at the ballpark. I, I know there was some discussion with my buddies about potentially going to the, uh, Cardinals Saturday game, uh, for the honest jersey, but we'll have to see if that, that ends up happening. But yeah, can't wait to be back at American Family Field and can't wait to talk Brewers baseball more often than not on this show. Let's move on to an interesting topic around Cam Newton. Cam Newton is throwing at Auburn's Pro Day. I believe it's Thursday that Cam Newton is going to be throwing at Pro Day. I am all for the idea of Cam Newton backing up Jordan Love. That might be a spicy take. That might be a hot take. I'm not sure. I I don't know. Like, try to think. Is this a hot take? Is it not? I'm not advocating that Cam Newton could come in and take Jordan Love's spot. Absolutely fucking not. 100% not. But what I do think is important for Jordan Love's development is having a veteran quarterback backing him up. Because I think if Love were to get hurt, right, it's possible that Packers having a backup, you know, sets them up for maybe success if they need it, if Love's missing a couple games. Love has not been injury prone in college, so there's no worry that Love will, you know, have issues like Rogers did time for time. But I I do think that it's important to have a veteran backup versus, you know, another young guy. I think another young guy is for next year after we see what one year of Jordan Love looks like. If Jordan Love's awesome, and Jordan Love leads the Packers to 11, 10 to 11 wins, then I, I I don't know, I maybe stick with a veteran, right? I'd maybe say, all right, Jordan Love's the guy. Let's just make sure there's a veteran there in case something bad happens. But if Jordan Love struggles, Packers are, win six games, seven games, I, I then say, all right, then you want to get another young guy in, and then it's similar to Brian Brom versus Aaron Rodgers. And, and you do it all over again. It's literally the exact same conversation they had back in the day with Robin Rogers where Merrill Hodge on ESPN said that Brian Brown was going to take over for Aaron Rodgers. Still one of the more ridiculous old, old takes exposed type of thing. Old takes exposed gets way overused in terms of sports nomenclature, but still that one, that one's all time bad. That one, that one lives in infamy. So anyways, I think having a guy like him would be really good for the Packers. Now, Cam has to accept wanting to be a backup, right? And I don't know if he's at that stage of his career. He should be. He should be at the point where I need to go be a backup somewhere, and you'll need to spend time you'll learning systems, learning this, trying to see – he may not need to learn, but you get my point. Like, Cam Cam needs to understand he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Warren Sharp had a thing, and I don't know if it was, like, engagement bait, because you never know Warren Sharp. It was like, how many – of the 32 quarterbacks, how many are better than Cam Newton? And smart people were like, all of them. Like, anyone starting right now is better than Cam Newton. And that's – I don't know if Cam Newton knows that. That's thats the problem, right? I, I think where teams are right now, could Cam Newton help out more like in Atlanta if they're not exactly ready to go with Desmond Ritter? Sure. that That's possible. That's, that's certainly on the table. Could it help – I'm trying to think, who's Carolina's quarterback right now? Does Carolina have a quarterback that I'm trying what do they bring in? They, they're obviously drafting somebody, but if Carolina has a, another camera union, maybe. I don't know. I, I think that there are some opportunities for Cam Newton that might be better than the Packers. But I, I, I look at having a veteran quarterback for Green Bay, and I think that will really benefit everybody involved. And some people talked about Matt Ryan being a backup. Allen Matt Ryan wants to be a backup. I think Matt Ryan can do TV. He can retire. If Matt Ryan still wants to be on an NFL roster. 100%. All in on that idea, too. I think that's perfectly fine. But I, I like the idea of Cam because I, I think there are goal line packages you could use Cam. I think you could still bring Cam in in certain spots. I don't know if you can do that with all back and quarterbacks. Now, is that something that Cam Newton wants to do? No, he probably doesn't want to be a running back. But at this point of his career, what does Cam Newton have left? I'm not sure. I just think it would be a kind of a unique but also a solid move for Green Bay to sort of make sure that their quarterback room, you know, has a veteran presence. And right now they don't with just Jordan Love. I don't – Is Manny Wilkins' on the team, I'm not not quite sure. But I I look at Cam Newton as, you know, one of those guys who I'm saying, all right, he's a veteran quarterback – he could be in the mix and and really help out, you know, the progression and help with Jordan Love. I think a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who hasn't been signed by anybody, I think Teddy Bridgewater would be another one that I look at it and I'm like, all right, yeah, that's perfect for what Green Bay Green Bay could use in terms of the, the veteran quarterback names that come to mind where I'm like, all right, yeah, could roll with that and I'd be okay with it. I think Blaine Gabbard has done a really good job as a backup. Um he's much older, but I, I think that's perfectly okay. Uh, Mason Rudolph, another name where I'm like, all right, yeah, that's, I don't know if you can win many games with Mason Rudolph, but I think that's, that's a guy that if he comes in, you feel okay. He's also kind of young. like He's only 27. He's a little bit younger than some of the guys that are, are currently available. Uh, I thought Trace McSorley, like there's something there with Trace McSorley. I don't know if he's actually a starter, but I, I don't mind Trace McSorley. I I kind of prefer a little older, right? I prefer the Bridgewater. I prefer the Matt Ryan if Matt Ryan wants to play. I think Brian Hoyer doesn't have it. Like, I'm out on that idea. Chase Daniel has been a career backup. I think he's really good for young quarterbacks. I think Chase Daniel would be perfectly fine. Um, Again, can you win games with Chase Daniel? No, I don't think so. I think, like, Mason Rudolph, Teddy Bridgewater, if if things went sideways with Jordan Love or Jordan Love got hurt, I actually think you maybe could win. With him, Bridgewater for sure. Rudolph, I don't know, but I, I I think Bridgewater is the best of the bunch. I think he's better than Cam, but I'm not gonna close the door <coughs> on the idea of Cam Newton because I I just think that's a it's a solid move. It's a low cost move. It's a, it's probably gonna cost less than the guys I mentioned. And that's another part of this, right? The question is. Will Cam just accept being a full-time backup? I don't I don't know that part. That's that's the part that I don't know. And we'll just sort of have to see. And also, too, I have no idea if Green Bay can sign anybody until the Rogers thing happens. I have zero idea. I tried hard not to say the R word here about Rodgers, but I, I don't know how that impacts everything. That's that's another thing that you have to sort of suss out and figure out all right, do I need Aaron Rodgers? Not necessarily off the books because he's gonna he's gonna cost you money regardless. But do I need some of that? Do I need that to happen before I can make move at the quarterback position? Because if you then have four three quarterbacks on your roster, that's yeah you're asking a lot. Like and and then there's so much discussion if you know Roger stays on the team. Like all right, the talent to stay home. What if Jordan Love gets hurt? What if Jordan Love tears his ACL in in April, August, or September? Do they try to convince Aaron Rodgers to play one more year for the Packers? Are they able to solve their differences? That's out of a fucking Hollywood movie. I'll tell you that right now. That that you talk about scripts, right? Uh, people made jokes with uh, Otani versus Trout, which was fucking awesome yesterday. If you didn't see it, uh, I recommend going back to watch. But that would be the script writers. If the NFL's is uh, actually staged, you would have. Aaron Rodgers, they don't get a deal done. The Jets signed Teddy Bridgewater. They draft somebody. And the Jets fans are pissed. There's still talk of Rodgers in the regular season getting traded to the Jets a la Carson Palmer. People are like, whoa, what happens if Rodgers comes to Green Bay? It's like, do you motherfuckers forget, like, Carson Palmer just didn't go to Cincinnati? Like, Carson Palmer stayed at home. They told Carson Palmer, to stay home. They will tell Aaron Rodgers to stay home, right? And so Aaron Rodgers is at home. He's in California. He's in New York. You know, he's just beating cheeks with Mallory Edens. And Jordan Love goes down with an injury. Week one, Rodgers is watching. And then they get a phone call saying, Aaron, we need you back. I mean, that to me, I, I've probably just – that's fan fiction for Noah Murphy. If Murph's less than this, he doesn't usually listen to my solo pods, which is fine, whatever. Uh, he hears me enough. I, chir- I chirp him enough in, in the group chats. But that to me is important for Nolan Murphy. Like that is legit like – Top tier hub shit for him. Aaron Rodgers returned week two. Packers, Packers, Lions. You know, Roger Rodgers returns. I mean, that would be. I mean, that would be something else. I again, the chance of that happening is like less than one percent. But I just wanted. I just want. I have it on the record. And if it does happen, I'm gonna have to go back to this March podcast and fucking find it and be like, I told you guys, I have the script. It's available to me. All right. But anyways, in short, wrapping it up, I think Cam Newton's a fine option for a back and quarterback, and I think the Packers just need to hone in on getting a veteran regardless, whether it's Newton, whether it's Bridgewater, Matt Ryan, Mason Rudolph. I think those are guys who the Packers, you know, need to have. I don't think getting another rookie is smart this year. Next year, if Love struggles, absolutely, 100%. Or if, you know, Packers struggle in general, I think it's a really great quarterback draft next year. I think that to me blows my mind. We're we're gonna do some draft stuff with Murph. Uh we him and I have to figure that out. But that's what blows my mind about all these quarterbacks going early. It's like you guys fucking know like next year is an awesome quarterback draft, right? Like next year all the guys are better. I don't know if all the guys are better than Bryce Young. I Caleb Williams, actually, yeah, Caleb is better than Bryce Young. Caleb is better than anyone in this draft. I don't know if Drake May, I can put that that title on, but Caleb is better than everyone in this draft, right? For court from a quarterback perspective, so we'll have to see. And Arizona is doing some interesting stuff, where it's almost like they're taking the season. It's like does Arizona want Caleb Williams next year? Because Caleb Williams would fit with Jonathan Gate. Well, with Jonathan Gannon saw it at Philadelphia, so it's very interesting to see that. But the question is, is how do you get off the Kyler Murray contract? I like anybody wants that Kyler Murray contract. Okay, before going too uh, too far a rabbit hole, because we're not talking about Cardinals football. Let's finish up today's show. Moving to basketball, no Bucks topics. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not saying that this is like a dog days for the Bucks. We'll talk Bucks tomorrow. I'll have, I'll have a Bucks top segment. I'll have to figure out what it is, but we'll we'll have something for the Bucks tomorrow. Uh, they well, they play the Spurs, which I you just got to win. Like I, I have no real opinion on the Spurs. Spurs played nobody yesterday. They have a back to back. They come in from New Orleans. I have no idea how many guys are going to play. Uh, you just got to take care of business. It's a game the Bucs can easily play with their food, uh, but if New Orleans can blow out San Antonio, New Orleans has been terrible uh, for the last couple of months, then the Bucs can also blow out the Spurs. So anyways, that's long and short there. Big East basketball, it has taken on a new form uh, with the coaching changes that happened on Monday. Uh, we're a little late on this one, but you had Rick Pitino go to St. John's. Uh, Rick Pitino now takes over the Johnny's program. You have... Ed Cooley now at Georgetown turning his back on Providence. A lot of consternation, a lot of anger from Providence fans. Uh, and as I said on a TikTok, you follow me there, Tab Nakagan the Sports. Business is picked up in the Big East. There's no, no if, ands, or buts about it. This is a new look, Big East. And you look at the coaching roster, you know, I'm really from one to seven. I think the only guys who you have questions about are Thad Mata, only because Thad looked like past his prime. Now, Thad Mata is a great coach, right? But that, like, it is heyday. I don't think right now I can say Thad Mata looks like a great coach. Now, maybe it takes a couple years. I'm willing to be patient. Mata would get added to that list. I still have questions about Kyle Neptune. I still have questions about Tony Stubblefield at DePaul. But it also means that Georgetown is not a doorman. It means St. John's is not a doorman means these teams that we've gotten used to, you know, every, you know, okay, that's an easy win. Not anymore. Uh, that business, again, has picked up, to repeat myself. And it's going to make things really interesting for Marquette. It's going to make things harder in terms of recruiting. It's going to make things, you know, make sure you have the players to match up with the style that Rick Pitino wants to coach. They thought it was incredibly brazen, but it's what Rick does to say a lot of guys on this roster don't fit my style. First thought was like, all right, if uh, Wusu wants to come to Mar- come to Marquette, I'm okay with that. Guy was awesome, big bully kind of. It's like David Joplin, you know, with the inside game and not the outside game. So again, an inside version of Joplin. I'm all, I'm all right with that. I don't know if there's a spot for Wusu, but I, I really like this game. If he can't play on St. John's, all right, great. But Tino basically saying, yeah, I need my guys in here. Uh, that, to me, is is right there to say there's no nothing that would surprise me if St. John's is actually a pretty solid basketball team next year. I also think Rich, Rick Pitino will try to schedule big-time opponents. St. John's used to play Duke every year. Uh, that was like a, a weird rivalry. I don't know if it was to get – I think it was so Duke could play a Madison Square Garden. Now, Duke has a lot more – a lot more opportunities, you know, with the different things, whether it's like the Jimmy V or the preseason NIT, which is played in Brooklyn. But the the thought process remains of getting Duke on the big stage. Would not be surprised if that rivalry renews, right? If Rick Petito's like, all right, get Duke in here. I wouldn't be surprised if Petito goes out and schedules another, you know, more big opponents. Georgetown, I, I think they always play Syracuse. I think that will continue. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if St. John's is like, we need to play Syracuse every year. Um, and Syracuse may have a different approach now that Adrian Autry is t- taking over that program. I think Pitino will try to make sure that St. John's is a national brand again immediately. I don't think it's going to be a, a one-year, two-year turnaround. I think with Cooley at Georgetown, I think that one will take a little more time. Uh, I He's really good at the transfer portal. Guy does a great job in terms of getting guys to play there. So maybe it is a one-year thing. But I expect maybe Georgetown more of a two-year, three year build. I think St. John's was close. That's that's the thing. Like I, I think St. John's had the talent. They just whether it was coaching, whether it was the combination of guys, it felt like St. John's had a lot of individuals, not exactly the team guys. So if Rick Patino could kind of figure that part out, I think St. John's can be special year one. I think Georgetown, again, has a lot of work to do. Uh and for whoever takes over Providence, whether it's Kim English. Kigula just does, that's a that's a good ad. So it adds more young coaches, you know, in the Big East, which it's kind of fun to have the young versus old. But Kim English is in that Thabata Neptune Stubblefield range. It just has to be. And so that we'll just sort of see if that's where Providence decides to go. There were some Bobby Hurley rumors, and I was like, I ah, we have one hurley. We don't need a second hurley. That's that's quite all right. But yeah, it, it makes things difficult, but it, it also excites you. It makes Big East basketball You know, people left it for debt. I didn't realize, and I saw this a couple of places on Twitter over the weekend, and I must have just missed this when it happened. But I didn't realize that the reason Buzz Williams left was because he thought the the new Big East would fail. Like, that was the genesis of Buzz Williams getting out. Now, I think there were other things going on. I think he clashed with the administration at that point. I think Buzz wanted to get guys in that in terms of standards. I may be talking out of turn, but the standards at Moncote were a little too high. Some of the guys, Buzz Williams, wanted to get in, and he clashed you know, with the AD. Now, the AD then, I think it was Larry Williams. I think that was his name. I saw Bill Scholl, who does a great job uh, in terms of running Marquette Athletics. Uh, they still need help marketing. Like I think I could run an agency that's just doing Marquette and Brewers Marketing, and I think I could make a ton of money. I think I could. They help them out so much, uh, but that's here or there. It's not me advocating. There's a lot of tapes of me being negative that they would probably like. So you said this about Marquette when Steve Wojciechowski was here. Do you, do you care to comment? I'd be like, yeah. So that's there. That exists. Uh, I don't put my last name on anything. That's probably the first thing I would say. I uh, wish I tell everybody. Uh, you know my day job now. I'm like I don't put my name on any last name on any of this shit. Uh, so that there is that, but. Anyways, here and there, I I do think that you the Big East is back to what it what it used to be. And it's hard not to say that. I mean, the crowds for the Big East tournament were great. The Big East basketball was fantastic this year in the regular season. The Big East having three Sweet 16 teams is an accomplishment. I know it's a random tournament, but the fact that the Big East has two more teams than the Big Ten, they had less teams in there. Says everything you need to know about the quality of teams that are there. I think you have one program for sure in Connecticut that can win. Like I, I think Connecticut can get all the way. I, I think Dan Hurley is such an unpredictable coach that you know I, I don't trust them. I probably like Arkansas more in that matchup just from a coaching perspective. I haven't dug into it, but first glance, i I like Arkansas a little bit better. I can't wait for that game. I'm very excited. For Arkansas, Connecticut, very excited for Gonzaga, UCLA. Both of those games are near the top, but also the other teams like Xavier. Xavier, you know, if they're hot, they can beat anybody in the country. But they're defensively, they're not great. But Sean Miller kind of shook a little bit of the shock and smart stuff, where Sean Miller had had some trouble in March. He figured out how to beat him. He got a break, if you will, to play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's not very good, uh, and they they took care of business, and that was really nice for Sean Miller. Creighton got another break with, you know, getting a Baylor team that had kind of fell off the wagon. Like, all of a sudden, Baylor had hit their peak and up 18 against Kansas. And then since then, they've been an absolute clusterfuck. That's a great break for Creighton. But it helps the Big East. It helps their notoriety. And now Creighton gets Princeton, who they should beat. And if Creighton wins, now there's a lot of rumors that McDermott might be looking at Notre Dame. So maybe that that's out there. But if Creighton wins that game, then that's a... Their first Elite Eight, I believe. I've, that's a huge win for the Big East. There is a very good chance the Big East has two Elite Eight teams. If you're doing the math at home there, that means 25% of the Elite Eight is Big East teams. Pretty fucking good. Big East is back, folks. Don't let anyone tell you differently. It's back. All right. That does it for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed Uh that good, good to get back to a little bit of the evergreen roots, uh, that we feel like last few have been more like in the moment stuff. That's just based on the schedule, the calendar. Uh, so it's nice to have a show like this. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, make sure that you're sharing with your friends, telling, telling everybody about us. Lessons have been great, uh, this month, so keep them up. Uh, and we'll see you guys tomorrow, whether it's just me or it's Mitch. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, if it is just me, I will tell you the 500th episode. Probably dropping Monday, Um just given the fact, well, actually, probably Tuesday. I gotta, I gotta decide. That's, that's the thing. A little inside baseball here. I have to decide on, on, Monday or Tuesday, partly because there's Bucks Nuggets on Saturday. And that's really the thing that is driving maybe a Tuesday pod to wrap up. Like we have Bucks Nuggets, we have Bucks Utah over the weekend. So it might be a it might be a Tuesday pod that we have, uh, the Tab of the Keg boys, and everybody talking about the episode itself. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great – was it Wednesday? Today's Wednesday, yeah. Have a great Wednesday. Days are running good. Have a great Wednesday. We will see you tomorrow. Bye.